This program has been made by the friends and partners of Jennifer LeClaire Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's teaching. I no longer work for money. Money works for me. Oh, I like the way that sounds. I'm going to tell the people over here. I don't no longer work for money. Money works for me. Hallelujah. And that is the way that you need to be. That is what you need to be able to say out of your mouth. But you must understand some things about money. And one of them is the law of accumulation. And that says this, that every great financial achievement is an accumulation of hundreds of small efforts and sacrifices that no one ever sees or appreciates. The law of accumulation. talk today, let's get real practical, about the law of accumulation. We want to understand how money works. We understand how it works against us. I don't know about you. I know how money has worked against me. Amen. Money in the past has put a stranglehold upon me. Money has caused me to go without things that I needed in the past. But on today, money works for me. Hallelujah. I no longer work for money. Money works for me. Oh, I like the way that sounds. I'm going to tell the people over here. I don't no longer work for money. Money works for me. Hallelujah. And that is the way that you need to be. That is what you need to be able to say out of your mouth. But you must understand some things about money. And one of them is the law of accumulation. And that says this, that every great financial achievement is an accumulation of hundreds of small efforts and sacrifices that no one ever sees or appreciates. The law of accumulation. In other words, there's really no such thing as a get rich quick scheme. There's no such thing. Not in God's kingdom. He may do a money miracle for you. I believe in money miracles. I do. Let me put it on record. I do believe in money miracles, but there's no get rich quick schemes in the kingdom. We do things God's way. Blessings chase us down and overtake us. Let me say that again. We do things God's way. We follow his precepts, his principles, his ways, which are higher than our ways. We submit ourselves to him, including our financial perspectives and prospectives. And then we unlock the harvest. That's how it works. We got to be obedient. See, the good and obedient, the, the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry. Amen. I want to eat the good of the land. I'm tired of the weeds and all of the, I want to eat the good of the land. So I obey him in the realm of my finances. I choose to do what he tells me to do with what he has put in my hand because it belongs to him. Whatever money you have in your pocket, guess what? It's not really yours. You're just holding it. You're just a steward. How many of you want more than enough instead of just barely getting by? See, amen. God sent me to tell you that he is the God of more than enough. He will supply all your needs. He is the El Shaddai. Come on. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. He is the one who makes a way out of no way. He is the one who can pinch a penny and turn it into a pound. Amen. He is the one. But we've got to do it his way. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to do it his way. 
You got to do it his way. You got to do it his way. You want what he wants to give you. He's got to see that you are trustworthy. You are made worthy in Christ, but you've still got to show yourself trustworthy. Amen. How many of you want wealth without sorrow? Amen. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and he doesn't add any sorrow to it at all. Amen. How many of you want to have the power to create wealth? Well, you've already got it, honey. The Bible says that he has given you the power to create wealth, to establish his covenant in the earth. So sometimes it's just about shifting your motive. Because we can want to be rich, we can chase wealth, but wealth shouldn't be chasing, we shouldn't be chasing wealth, wealth should be chasing us. Amen. These signs will follow those who believe, and so one of the signs that I want to follow me is dollar signs. Hey, 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 hey. Amen. Not because I'm greedy, but because I have a kingdom work to do. Amen. It's not so I can consume it upon my own lust. The Bible says you have not because you... Or because you ask to consume it on your own lust. Look, when I ask God for money, it's not for me. It's for his purpose. And again, we've got to understand when we pray purpose instead of need, we see quicker prayer answers because he's all about his purpose. And he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But you've got to do your part. Oh, you got to do your part. You got to do your part. You got to do your part. I used to have nothing. Many of you know my testimony. I won't tell the whole thing. It's on Sid Roth. I didn't have anything, nothing. I couldn't even get a car as a grown woman. I was so uh, impoverished because of decisions that other people in my life made for me that I couldn't even get a car. I had to get my grandparents as a grown woman to sign for a car. And I don't like that. I don't like being dependent on anyone but God. Amen. I want to be God dependent. I don't just want to be independent. Being independent is good, but being God dependent is better because that means when we need something, we just go to him and we ask him. We don't strive. We don't have to steal. We don't have to lie. We don't have to manipulate. We just submit ourselves to God and he gives us what we need. Somebody shout amen. amen. God is good. We're going to talk about finances and particularly the law of accumulation and how it works. And I'm going to give you some real practical teaching. And some of this you may have heard, but I submit to you today, if you are not doing it, it's not going to work. You know, you can know up here how to do anything, but unless you do something with what you know, it does not yield the peaceable fruit of, heart, of righteousness or harvest. The first thing we need to do tithe. Amen. Some of you said, amen. Some of you said, oh my, we have to give. Some of you don't believe in tithing. I, I didn't used to know anything about tithing. I didn't know about it. And because I did not know, you know, the devil plays on our ignorance. It doesn't matter if you don't know a thing, you're still responsible for doing a thing. God gave you the word. We got like 15 16, 17, 18 different translations of the Bible. Pick one and read it. Study to show yourself approved. We've got to understand what the Bible says because the devil takes advantage of our ignorance. The Bible says that we perish for lack of Amen. So we've got to make ourselves knowledgeable. And the Bible does speak of tithes. That's an Old Testament thing. Well, guess what? It's not a, a pre-law thing. 
Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek before the law was ever established. It's a principle. God owns it all. We give him back part and he blesses the rest and makes it stretch. We've got to tithe. We've got to tithe or give first fruits. However, whatever terminology or linguistic, you know, description you want to give it, we've first got to give to God. First, 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 first. Not what's left over, but first. I told many of you last week there was a time when I was living in Alabama and I had nothing. I was on food stamps. I had a wick. I, my husband had abandoned me. He ran up all the credit cards. I didn't have anything. And what little I had, I would let other people borrow. And invariably... Some of them would not pay me back, but there was this one young man in particular, and he was skirting me, he was shucking, he was diving, he was just avoiding me, and I needed this money. I needed it. It was causing me trouble not to have it. It wasn't just that, you know, I didn't have extra money laying around. Now, for, here's the first thing. You should not lend money that you need. And I learned that. My grandfather told me the fastest way to lose a friend is to lend them money, and I have found that to be true. So if you don't have it to lose, don't lend it, don't invest it. But here I was, you know, kneeling down on the, on the, over the sofa, and I'm like, Lord, you don't understand. I don't know why these people are robbing from me. This young man, he has robbed from me. This is not fair. You're supposed to be my justice and my vindicator, and you're supposed to take care of me, and, and this guy's robbing from me, and I'm tired of them robbing. I'm tired of them robbing. I'm tired of them robbing from me. And then the Lord said, well, then stop robbing from me. I didn't know what in the world he was talking about because I did not know the word. And I began to look it up. And the Bible says in Malachi, will a man rob God? But you say, well, how are we robbing you? And the Lord said, with tithes and offerings. Now bring your tithes to the storehouse and I'll rebuke the devourer on your behalf for your sake. And I will open the heavens. See, prove me. He says, test me. It's the only scripture in the whole Bible where the Lord says, test me, try me, prove me on this thing. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot even contain. I submit to you, beloved, if you are not walking in a measure of blessing where you got overflow, you ain't blessed enough. Come on. You ain't blessed enough. God wants you more blessed because he wants the blessing on your life to overflow to other people. You're not supposed to be like the Dead Sea. You're supposed to be like the Jordan River. Amen. Rivers are supposed to flow from you. You should have so much money that when you see a need, you're able just to meet it. By the leading of the Lord. We're not supposed to just be barely getting by. We're supposed to be flowing. But you've got to practice the laws of finances. And one of them is the law of accumulation. As part of that, we have to respect money. You can't expect God to give you money if you don't respect money. I don't mean respect it like worship it. I mean respect it in the sense that, first of all, we don't waste it. We don't want to be wasteful with money, there's so many people, and I just see them, they're just so wasted. They barely have anything, and they're wasting what they have. You know, in John 6, I believe it's verse 14, this was after Jesus fed miraculously 5,000 with a couple of loaves of bread and a few fishes. He had his apostles distribute all of the food. Everybody ate. It was a miracle. But then he said, now go take the 12 baskets and pick up the broken pieces. The leftovers. See, you should be walking in leftover land in the sense that you should have so much that everywhere around you, there's just leftovers. There's fragments. There's scraps. There's pieces. There's more than enough. And But you've got to follow God's way of doing things. And when you're wasting money, he doesn't have a lot of incentive to put more in your hand. See, God doesn't waste anything. 
He doesn't waste your pain. He doesn't waste your trial. There's always a way to learn. There's always a way to grow. He wastes nothing. And so when we're wasting things, we're not acting like God. And if we want, see, God's not in debt either. The Lord told me last night. God is not in debt. And since you're created in his image, you're not supposed to be in debt. You weren't created to be in debt. The Bible says don't owe any man anything except but to love him. Amen. So you walk in the debt of love. You've got to respect money. You've got to use it wisely. Joyce Myers said, God promised us the ability to create wealth. He did not promise to make us miraculously wealthy. We cannot waste what's in our hands. I hate waste. Can't stand it. I hate, I just have a disdain for waste. And you should too. We shouldn't just buy something. Oh, I didn't like that. Let me just throw the rest of it away. Whatever it is, whatever it is, don't waste. You notice that people who win the lottery don't respect money. I find that people that have to work for things respect it more. You know, like, you know, kids. Anybody have kids? You know, dear God, they don't, they don't respect, you know, they don't know that how much, they don't have the understanding that this costs you something. So they mess up your couch and they stain your rug and it's no big deal to them. Oh, but let them move into their own house. No, mom, you got to take your shoes off before you come in my house. Is a whole different thing because now they respect it. Now they understand it. Now it's a different story. We've got to respect money because the money belongs to, who's the money belong to? God. But the money belongs to him, so we've got to respect it. Thomas Jefferson said this. He said, never spend your money before you have it. And that's what so many people do. They spend it before they have it. They get paid and there's not even anything left and they're living on credit cards in between and it's this negative momentum but the law of accumulation will bring positive momentum to your finances also don't abuse it don't abuse money you don't expect your body to perform well if you abuse it you're not surprised if you get lung cancer because you've been smoking 30 years but somehow we abuse money and we expect it to work for us it doesn't work that way don't abuse it don't waste it respect it somebody say respect it Dave Ramsey says, you must gain control over your money or the lack of it will forever control you. You're not supposed to be a slave to money. You're not supposed to be a servant to money. So many Christians, they can't even come to church on Sunday. They want to. They love the Lord. And they can't even come to church on Sunday. Because they're in bondage to a Babylonian system. They're forced to work on Sunday if they want that job. They can't find one that will let them take the time off. How many know that's not right? It's not right. In a, in, a, in a country where we have freedom of religion and free speech, we should be allowed to have a job where we can have Sundays off to go worship the Lord. Next thing we need to do is develop discipline. Discipline. Want to be free to do what God tells you to do instead of having to always ask your wallet. Somebody say discipline. discipline. It's not a dirty word. Self-discipline. It's actually a fruit of the Spirit. And so we need to cultivate that fruit of the Spirit in our lives from Galatians 6. Discipline. We need to discipline ourselves. You know, you don't have to buy that new car. You don't have to buy that new belt. You don't have to buy that new whatever. A literal onslaught of principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places is working overtime to fulfill Satan's mission in your life. The good news is you have authority over every demon power in the name of Jesus. 
the challenge is discerning which demon you're up against. In the Spiritual Warfare Battle Plan, I rip the mask off 15 pestering spirits, expose their wicked agendas, detail how they operate against you, and offer strategies for resisting them, conquering them, and making them flee in Jesus' name. This book will help set you free by shining light on darkness that many don't know exists. Victory belongs to us when we follow the Holy Spirit's battle plan. Isaiah 51, 9 and 10 associates Rahab with the dragon spirit. Rahab works to knock the wind out of you, squash your courage, and quench your prophetic flow. You can discern and defeat the Rahab spirit in the Spiritual Warrior's Guide to Defeating Water Spirits. What is God saying to you in your dreams? Given the average human sleeps eight hours a night, that's one third of our time on planet Earth, it should come as no surprise that God will, at times, speak to us through spirit-inspired dreams. So then why are most of us clueless as to what they mean? Decoding your dreams will demystify God's dream language. The truth is, God speaks to each of us in ways that are personal to our culture and our life experience. I want to teach you how to decode your dream life, understanding how God speaks to you, how to judge your dreams. Decoding your dreams will provide a solid, safe explanation of the dream world and dream languages that will help you understand what God is really saying to you. Pick up your copy of Decoding Your Dreams wherever books are sold. My hairdresser of like 15 years is on maternity leave. Always makes me a little nervous because I don't like nobody messing with my hair. You know, it's all about the hair. It really is. It really is. It's all about the hair. And she says to me, I've been hurt to her twice now. And she says to me, she says, you know, I only work four days a week. And I'm like, okay. She says, well, I could, I, she goes, if, she goes, I, she goes, I could drive a brand new car if I wanted to work five days a week. But she says, I don't want to work that. I don't want a, a new car that bad. She goes, I'm satisfied with the pace of my life. See, that's somebody that's free. She could have a new car, but she knows she doesn't need a new car. And we live in a generation where we've always got to have the latest, greatest, brightest, shiniest new thing. And it's not necessary. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Millionaires are usually frugal. There was a woman in Forbes magazine, and she did a research of over 600 millionaires. And she found that they were all frugal. Not cheap, but frugal. And I've been frugal my whole life. As a matter of fact, my grandfather... He used to be so frugal. You'll laugh when I tell you this. He's gone on to be with the Lord so I can talk about him. <laughs> he was a very holy man of God. But he was so frugal that he used to write the date 
on the bottom of his flip-flops so he could see how long they lasted. And he would challenge himself to see if he could make the next pair last longer than the previous pair. Some of you are like, he did. And it wasn't cheap because he would go out and he would buy you anything. He would give you money. He would buy you a car. I mean, they bought me more than one car. They weren't cheap, but he was frugal. And there's a difference. You know, what really matters? What matters most? Blessing the Lord with our finances, blessing people that he leads us to believe. We don't need new this and new that all the time. Those who commit, the study said, those who commit to saving, spending less, and sticking to a budget are more, more, more likely to become millionaires. Here's another thing you need to do with your discipline. Get up early. Oh, I got no love on that. Did you hear that? <laughs> I think some demons manifested. I tell you. Did you hear that? That was bad. Either that or it was the Holy Ghost conviction. I've got, I, I don't like getting up early. I was always a night owl. But at some point in my life, things shifted and I got hungry. I got hungry for God and I got hungry to succeed as a single mother, you know, having come out of that state of poverty, I had to work my way out by the grace of God. But I started getting up when my daughter I had to take my daughter to school at, at six. So I'd get up at five and by six 30, I would be working and, be, and, and I became the top 1% of my field in journalism because I started my workday at six 30 AM. And partly I did that so that when she got home in the afternoon, you know, that I could be able to spend time with her so that I could, you know, it was just, there was a lot of reasons why I did it. But you know what? The editors would send out emails early in the morning, the clients, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and they'd send out, okay, I've got this assignment for grabs. Who wants it? Well, guess who got all the work? Early bird over here. And that's why I ended up being, driving enough revenue, enough cash through my business to buy five properties in 23 acres of land is because I worked for it. Somebody says she worked for it. God gave me the grace, but you got to get up early. The early bird catches the worm. And also you're able to seize opportunities that way. See, you know, here's the thing. Just because you have until Friday to get something done doesn't mean you should wait till Thursday night to get it done. Procrastinators typically are not the most successful people. I would always try to get my assignments done as fast as I could get them done so that when another opportunity came and a client reached out to me and said, we need this done by tomorrow. Can you do it? No problem. Because when they need it done by tomorrow, they pay you double. And so in this way, I was a good steward. In this way, you know, I was catching the worms. You got to seize the day. Somebody say, seize the day. Seize the day. Amen. Get, gaining financial independence requires a lot of little efforts that eventually add up. And at first, it seems like you're just not making any progress. It's the same way with weight loss. When I was 35 years old, by that time, I, I'd been in ministry for a while. And you know, everything around ministry is food, potlucks, around the world potluck. We need to have an around the world potluck. All the nationalities we have in this church, we need to have an around. Who's down for an around the, Yvonne's like, I get, uh, you know, we're going to plan that. We're going to schedule it. But everything's around food and ministry. It's like the fellowship, right? So I gain weight. Being sedentary, being a writer, then doing, I gained weight. I said, I'm going to get a personal trainer because I, I, I could not discipline myself to go to the gym. So I got a personal trainer and he had me doing all kind of burpees and lift this and sprint here and do that. And he said, you got to have this kind of protein and you got to buy this kind of uh, whatever it was. And, and you got to, I had to pay him X amount and, and you got to count your calories. And, you know, a month later, I'm still not lost any weight. 
Now, I spent all this money on training. I spent all this money on special protein. I'm starving to death. I'm hangry. <laughs> and I'm not losing a pound. And he said, just keep on. Just wait till the six-week mark. I said, I ain't waiting no more, nothing. You said, he said, wait. And at the six-week mark, I started losing weight. And then I got to be in the fine condition you find, I find myself in today, amen? <laughs> but see, there's a tipping point with anything, and anything you try, you have to try it long enough to see results. You know, when Brother Tyson learned how to play those keys, I imagine he wasn't born out of his mother's womb, you know, playing like that. He had to practice. He had to put time into a thing. And it's the same way with money. See, there's seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, harvest, time. But between the seed and the harvest, there's time. And we have to be patient and continue doing what's right while we're waiting. You don't sow one time and believe you're going to just get, you know, debt free. You got to keep on sowing, keep on saving, keep on paying yourself. Will Rogers, he said to people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Isn't that the truth? It's called keeping up with the Joneses. I mean, who cares what they think? They say, well, they say this and they say that. I mean, who are they anyway? I don't even know they. I don't know who these people are. They always have an opinion about everything. Discipline doesn't feel good at the moment, but it pays off later. So much of what I'm talking to you about is stewardship. So much of it is stewardship. You know, and here in Luke 16, verse 10, Jesus said, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Stewardship. We've got to learn this. Why should God give you more if you're wasting, if you're overspending, if you're not giving, if you're being greedy? Why would God give you more? He's got to know that you'll be faithful in the little before you'll be made ruler over the much. Let's talk about some practical things here. Being a good steward. How about looking for the best deals? How about getting three quotes on everything? Well, that takes too much time. You know what? I'd rather get three quotes on Whatever it is that I'm having to buy, uh, how about some hanging lights or whatever, purchasing a big purchase, shop around, get the best deal. Usually somebody's ripping you off. That's why you got to get three quotes. We were taught that three quotes. You got to get three quotes. Negotiate for better pricing when you go to get your car. You know what I do? Here's my secret. I negotiate over email. I'm not going in there until I have a deal. You're not going to you know, tell me, oh, this car matches the color of your hair. You'll look good in it. Uh-uh. I'm not falling for that one. Hey, guys. Jennifer LeClaire here. I'm coming to you with an exciting opportunity to partner with me as I advance the kingdom of God around the world. As many of you know, I am doing a daily prayer call that's reaching millions of people, millions and millions of people a year. But I'm also planting houses of prayers, prayer hubs, apostolic centers, and of course, raising up prophets and prophetic people. But I'm also sowing, sowing, sowing. Jennifer LeClaire Ministries sows back into at least 15 other ministries that are touching the sex trafficking industry. They're touching digging wells in Africa. They're helping uh, drug addicts rehabilitate and so, so much more. I need your partnership. When you partner with Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, whether you're in Europe, 
Asia, Africa, Australia, here in the US, wherever you are in the world, you are helping to open a door for me to come to your nation. You are helping feed hungry people. You are helping the gospel be preached. You're helping media projects flow forth. You are helping, you are sowing, and you will reap a harvest. Listen, you cannot outgive God. I can't do what I do without faithful supporters like you. You know, Billy Graham used to say that the janitor who cleaned the bathrooms would receive the same reward as he did for standing on a platform and preaching the gospel. When you sow into our ministry, you receive a reward. I want to invite you to become an official partner. You'll receive a monthly partner resource, special seating at my events, and so much more. The most important thing is you're being partakers of advancing the kingdom of God, especially if you're a prophetic person, if you're mission-minded, if you're apostolically focused, support. So pray. Amen. God is good and he's doing so much more than any one of us can do alone. But together, we can do a lot. We can make an impact. We can have influence on a lost and dying world. It's time. It's time to rise up and go further. I'm asking you, become a partner today.